Hey everyone, thank you for checking out the Gateway Students Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast designed for our students here at Gateway Church in Austin, Texas. We'll be discussing things along the lines of student leadership, what it means to be a leader, and how we can be a part of what God is doing in his church. We say things like, come as you are, no perfect people allowed, die wild, and be what you want to see. And all of these phrases sum up who we are, our identity as a student ministry, but also part of our mission and our purpose to help people explore God and find Jesus. We hope that you enjoy this podcast. Um, We haven't had a chance to really talk about worship culture and like worshiping God. And one thing about it, it's not just the, you know, the lights and the music and the band and all of that. And like, that's, that is a form of worship, but it's not the main thing. So that's what we're going to kind of get into a little bit tonight. And we're going to talk about how worship is surrender. Um, so I'm going to be saying that a lot. Um, so as some of you guys have gotten your permit and your license, who got their license like this year? Yeah. This week. week. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in your license test, um, in your permit or whatever, driver's ed, during this whole time, you've probably gotten the the list of signs, like road signs, and like what's a legal sign, what's something that you should pay attention to, what's something that you could probably ignore and be fine, what is something to really pay attention for. Uh, So stop signs are the big ones. Stop signs, crosswalk, school zone, speed limit, stuff like that. But there's a sign in Texas that a lot of people just ignore, and that's the yield sign. Bro, listen, it's the worst sign because nobody yields. <laughs> they just like, just put their way and then they merge onto the highway and cut me off. Like my car isn't fast, but it's fast enough. But like they cut you off like last minute or they're coming off the highway or you're coming off the highway and they're supposed to yield to you and they don't. And then you almost cause an accident. So it's like, even like this week, the horn in my car is broken. I found out the hard way because somebody was merging. They weren't paying attention and they almost ran into me. Thankfully I was paying attention. wasn't on my phone or anything like that. And I was able to avoid an accident, but like the yield sign is actually just as important as the rest of them. Otherwise it wouldn't exist. And so please learn how to yield. But to tie it back into us, like yield means to like make way for somebody else. Like to yield is to see somebody else and say, okay, this, it's all you. And it's also kind of a form of surrender if you really want to think about it. And so when we talk about worship, it's important for us to like realize what it really is. Now, if I ask you, like, what's worship, and you're probably going to list off a couple songs or a part of our service on Sunday, and you wouldn't be wrong, but it's so much bigger than just 20-ish minutes. It's so much bigger than singing the same eight songs on a rotation every week, you know? It's, it's so much more than that. And so as leaders that are influencing culture, what if we shifted the way on how we viewed that special time that we gather together? Because the whole thing is worship. Actually, our whole lives are worship because worship is surrender. It's yielding, saying, God, you have the right of way. You have control. This is all you. So as we gather to worship every week, just like the street signs, especially the yield sign, we know we should follow 
like what the Bible says and to understand it. And as we are reading scripture, we can see examples of what worship is. Like we have the book of Psalms and sometimes, sometimes they're really depressing and really dark. And sometimes they're really like joyous and exciting and exuberant and all of that. And we take a lot of our worship music today from Psalms, but they hold those two things in contrast because worship is surrender. It's a lifestyle. So, um, we see a perfect example of what it's like to truly understand that worship is surrendered in the book of Revelation. And it's written by the Apostle John. Fun fact, the Apostle John was the only one of the disciples that wasn't explicitly um, executed. He actually just died of natural old age. So um, he wrote the book of Revelation on the island of Patmos, which is in Greece. And uh, he had a revelation of Jesus, the end of age when Jesus's kingdom would be restored in its fullness, the end of the world. Some people call it, there's Armageddon and there's all this symbolic language and poetry and all that. And so it's all like this really condensely packed and pretty intense book with a lot of imagery. But John receives a vision of heaven. And I think um, as we go to Revelation chapter four, we see a picture of what worship really is and what it really can be. So who is my lovely volunteer to read Revelation chapter four? Other than Lizzie. I can do it. Maddie. Maddie. Uh, Revelation chapter four, 10 and 11. There's a line in verse 10 and it says they cast down their crowns. What does a crown represent? Royalty. Royalty, authority, power, power wealth, title. What else? I think it's honor. So they take their crowns and they, they throw them down before God. They're worshiping already. They're bowed down before him. And then they take off this symbol of wealth and honor and authority and like respect and all that. And they cast it down before him. And this symbolic thing that's happening is really a representation of what worship is. It's saying, God, any, any kind of control that I have, I surrender it to you. Any authority that I have, I surrender it to you. Any kind of wealth that I have, whether I created it or I inherited it, I surrender it to you. I throw it down before you. Like they cast off their crowns. They didn't just like neatly place it in front of him. They, they, they took it off and they threw it down before him. And in this vision, I think it's, it's, it's like it's so powerful because how often do we hold on to the very thing that God is asking us to surrender? And yet we sing the same songs. We say, you're worthy of it all. Or I thank God, like he's given, he's, <laughs> he's healed my heart. He's changed my name, da, 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 da. Okay, I could, God. So like we can sing all that and that's great, but is it really worship if we're not surrendered in our heart? We can sing reckless love and oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. And it's truth and we're singing it in worship and we're singing that. 
But is it really worship if we're not fully surrendered? I argue no. And we can have this emotional encounter and we can, we can cry and we can, we can be moved emotionally. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that itself isn't even worship. Worship means to be surrendered. It's taking our worthship. It's giving God his worthship. That's where they get the, the term worship in Old English. It's worthship. Saying, God, you are worth it. You are worth all of my surrender. You are worth all of the authority. You are worth all of my wealth. You are worth all of my influence, all of my honor, all of my power, all of my acceptance, all of my identity, God. You are worth it. And letting go of that is actually becoming so open and not worried about what other people think. Walking this out, walking out what surrender is, I'm finally answering your question. <laughs> finally. But walking out what a life of surrender is, that this life of worship, it means that you are, you are not consumed with the thoughts of self. You're not even consumed with the thoughts of other people or thinking about them. You are solely focused on Jesus saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let anything else influence me until it comes from you. I'm not going to let anything else like give me identity unless it is from you. And it's in those moments where it might not feel like anything. It might not cause an emotional response. It might not cause you to feel differently when you walk out. But if you set that, it's like a mindset thing. If you set the mindset of like, okay, I'm going to surrender my identity. I'm going to surrender my pride. I'm going to surrender who I am, my very core of my being, in order to give God glory. That's worship. Worship is surrender. A true act of worship is this. Romans chapter 12 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Paul says to he urges them to present their living bodies as a or their bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your true act of worship. So cultural context, as we, as we talk about that, being weird, cultural context, Roman and Greek philosophy thought of human existence as being separated, like two realities living simultaneously. You had your spiritual and you had your physical. And that comes in direct contrast with Hebrew thought. And, you know, we follow Jesus, who was a Jewish rabbi. He was the son of God. He is God but he was a Jewish rabbi. And so in our context, we should really understand scripture and spiritual things through a Jewish understanding or the Hebrew understanding. And that the whole being, the whole person is body, mind, and soul all together. There is no separation. So when Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, it is present your whole being, your whole self to God. So he's teaching that worship is more than just spiritual activity and it's more than just a physical action. It's actually, um, it's the way that we live with our whole lives is the true act of worship. So when we live holy lives, set apart lives, then we'll be worshiping God. 
See, presenting and surrendering to God is actually inviting him and letting him have influence and authority in your life that he deserves. And I know that that it might, it's hard because it's not a tangible thing of like a goal, like, oh, I'm finally surrendered to God. And I think that's intentional because it comes from a place of constant surrender. You guys know how hard it is to like, if you guys have, what, what's like, what's like your favorite dessert that you just can't avoid? Like somebody gives it to you. You're like, I'm eating that. Pazuki, bro. Brownies. Brownies. Yeah. Okay. So it's like somebody knows that brownies are in your house and then you never, huh? But you never, like, let's say there's brownies in your pantry and you know that they're there, you know, and then you just, you eventually are going to cave. So in the same way, it's like, we can't just be like, oh, I'm going to be transformed. I'm surrendered. No, it's a constant thing of like, okay, no, I'm not going to eat the brownies in my, in my pantry. Eventually you start to take out and throw away those brownies, right? Is that making sense? I just came up with that. So I don't know. Um, so the thing is God wants our surrender. And so what does this look like? I'm going way off script here, but in worship, I know that we are with our friends. I know that we are having fun. I know that we are, you know, we're excited to be there. I love the hype. I love the energy. You guys know that about me. But how often do we actually have a chance to be with all of our friends and all of the people that at least believe somewhat similarly to us to give God like a vocal, physical response of worship? And we can't take that for granted. Even if it's just Connor or Theo by themselves on the stage just playing and we're singing. Like, it's not a time to be messing around. It's not a time to be joking around. It's not even a time to be distracting your person next to you and filling them in on your week. Like, we are the most connected generation. So why do we take a chance to connect with God together and choose to connect over silly and petty things? And I'm speaking to the whole group and I'm speaking to myself as well because it's like, okay, that is not the time to be checking my phone. That is not the time to be going and checking on something else for the night. Like in worship, I am there. And it shouldn't just be in a service setting. It should be with my life. How am I showing 100% up for God in every area of my life? How am I cleaning the kitchen right? How am I serving Lucy right? How am I living in surrender and getting my identity direct from him, not from what you guys say about me, not from what my bosses say about me, not from what other youth pastors say about me, like good or bad. Where am I actually getting my identity from? Where am I actually surrendered? And it's in that place of surrender that we learn to live for the glory of God. It's in the place of self-reflection that it might be kind of uncomfortable. We say, why do I always want to screw around in church? Why do I always want to take this not seriously? Why am I so concerned about the other person thinking that I'm cool or funny or whatever? really getting down to the nitty gritty and down deep. That's where you learn to live for the glory of God. Learn to live and understand like, oh, I can set the tone for a whole generation. Upperclassmen, I love y'all. But you guys set the tone for our sixth graders. How you guys show up on a Wednesday night. How you guys engage in our worship time with just the song. How you guys engage taking notes, bringing your Bibles, whatever it is, the things that we want to see. Like 
sets the tone for our incoming sixth graders. I talked to a fifth grader today and he's dying to come into students. I said, not yet, wait till camp. He's like, oh, but there's a reason for that because we wanna make sure that what we have is set right before we welcome in the new class of sixth graders. And as some of you guys are going out in the next couple of years, what is the thing that you're going to leave behind? Is it going to be something that you've benefited and contributed to and replicated yourself and understanding like, oh, hey, Mr. Sixth grade guy, I know it doesn't seem cool, but this is why I worship God. Or I know it might seem lame to not use my phone to take notes, but instead use a notebook, (laughs) but I'm actually engaged and I'm paying attention more. See, in worship, it's not just the actions that we take, but it's the heart posture. But oftentimes our actions come from where our heart's at. So if we're not paying attention, we're distracting the people next to us, we're not listening, we're not whatever, it can reflect a deeper issue. And you might say, okay, it's just one or two times, like it's just a couple jokes here and there. You guys know I have a lot of tolerance for that. But at the same time, it's like not what we tolerate because what we tolerate is what we actually permit. What we tolerate is what we allow. So it's like a couple jokes here and there might be okay and tolerable, but that gives our younger students permission to do an excess. So when then they come up into upperclassmen, what's our culture gonna be? Because think about it, by the time our sixth graders are upperclassmen, y'all, I'm gonna be pushing like, I'm gonna be close to 40. That's scary. Oh. But the thing is, I can't influence in the same way that you guys can. You guys talked about this. Like you guys, t- uh, I can't remember, I think it was Lizzie, that talked about how when they came into student ministry, there was older girls that helped them feel not just welcomed, but kind of showed them the ropes. And see, I know it might sound like I'm getting after behavior here. It's not just behavior. It's heart. Because your heart influences your action. So if you're fully surrendered to God, it's going to be a no-brainer. Of course I'm going to be all in. I have a chance to worship and to study God's word with all of my friends every week. I'm not taking that for granted. I get to go to church two, sometimes two services in a row on Sunday morning with a room somewhat full of people and have them all kind of look at our student section and be like, whoa, what's that all about? Our heart posture is right in that moment. So why isn't our heart posture right when it's our service, you know? And so I don't want to be like, I'm not trying to talk down to you guys and I hope it doesn't come across that way. But I see uh, you guys as being one of the most influential generations that our world has ever seen. And I don't want all of your peers in the next generation to miss all that God has for them for the sake of us just being comfortable. I don't want them to miss what God has for the sake of us not living a life of surrender. I don't want our culture to go amiss because we're not fully engaged. And I think that God is calling us to a place of surrender, not just you guys, but me as, as well. And whenever we talk, it's not, I'm, I'm, a lot of times I'm talking to myself too, because it's a reminder of where I was at 16 and where God met me at 16 was in an altar call at a camp in the front 
one of the first kids from my youth group to move. And I followed. And I was like, I want to be like that because that person has a heart after God. They weren't doing it for performance. They weren't doing it to impress me or the student pastor or anybody else. They were doing it because they were after the heart of God and they were living a life of worship. And I said, I want that. I want to be like that. And when I responded, I received my life calling. When I responded in that moment, the Holy Spirit was like, you are going to be a youth pastor. It wasn't a, I'm, I'm calling you to do this. It is, you are going to be this. And I ran from it. Didn't want to do it. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to mess around with my girlfriend. I wanted to listen to whatever I wanted. I wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. But when I started to live a life of surrender, that's when things started to come full circle. That's when I understood what it meant to be what I wanted to see. In our student ministry, it was rowdy because it was like 25 middle school and high school boys. We didn't have any girls in our church for some reason. It was kind of weird. But it was so cool. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but it was so cool to see because all of us were passionately worshiping God. Like we had a student section. Our student pastor didn't organize it. We had our own student section. We did our own thing. We did communion every single week as a student section. We worshiped God passionately. And I'll tell you what, it influenced the way that the church handled worship. It influenced the way that our student ministry was run. Our, our worship services would go long. Like the music part would go really long. But it was because our heart was there. Our heart was in surrender. So worship is surrender. Worship is surrender. So this Wednesday, just give it a test. How are you surrendered? Where's your heart posture? And if it's not to be surrendered to God, I can't force that. I can't. I just encourage you that it's better on the other side. It's better than the momentary goofiness with your friends. Because it sets a culture change. It sets a tone that we are going to be a student ministry that is hype and we worship God. That has a lot of fun and is surrendered to Jesus. That is starting Jesus clubs, that is serving all around the country and the world, that is going out of our way to welcome people that are different than us, to be an inclusive environment and a culture. And we're also going to be personally devoted and surrendered to God. So, that's all I got for us tonight. Kind of a full circle thing. Be what you want to see. So, how we started ending on worship. But I believe in you. Um, it is my greatest honor and privilege to be your student pastor, and I mean that. Um, and I'm really thankful for those of you who stepped out and did this thing, um, even if you weren't sure if you wanted to. Um, or even if you were forced to. And I really encourage you guys to do core again at some point. Um, so I'm going to pray and then we'll get this fire started and we'll just hang out. I'm feeling some mafia. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Sweet. All right. Lord, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for each and every student that is here. 
God, I pray um, as we live our lives, we live a life of surrender because worship is surrender. So Lord, we uh, just look forward to Wednesday. God, we look forward to um, continuing Advent and celebrating and anticipating your son's birth, um, but also the things that you're doing currently and how you are returning to us soon. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.